0: make a big political or historical or prophetical statement about this, but we do want to pray for Israel right now. Um, Most of you know what's going on in Israel, and there's all kinds of um, warfare happening in the Gaza Strip and in Israel, and it's just uh, indiscriminate bombs being launched from the Gaza Strip and the Iron Dome taking those down. And most of you know what's going on. And prophetically, we know that this is a birth pain. This is another sign, another symptom that a baby's about to come out and that baby would be uh, Armageddon. And so we're not, not knowing if this is that or if it's going to be another couple contractions. But the Bible says in Psalm 122, I think it's right around verse six, to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And uh, some of you out there are thinking, well, What about the politics, and what about Benjamin Netanyahu, and and what about Benny Katz, and what about all these people? Listen, uh, just pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. I can't, in all good conscience, stand up here and say that I understand and or back every political decision that the nation of Israel has made. I, I can't say that, but I do know that they're God's chosen people, and I do know that God has commanded us to stand side by side with them, to support them to pray for them, that God's anointing is on them. The Bible says in Romans chapter 11, God's not done with Israel. He has a whole plan. And if you know and if you study biblical prophecy and you understand the timepiece of God's return as Israel was born as a nation in 1948, in a day, fulfilling prophecy, and the timepiece of God's calendar for his return, the return of Jesus Christ, I believe is gonna be in succession with the generation that sees the rebirth of the fig tree, which is the nation of Israel so I believe as we see these birth pains and these signs and it's moving us closer, further down the road. We remember in Second Peter or First Peter where Peter tells us that the Lord will return. The chief shepherd is coming. There are events that must take place. There are things that must happen and there are necessities on the political platform that need to develop and God's got it under control. So I'm gonna pray right now and ask you to bow your heads with me as we pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And for God's will to be done. Lord, it's really too much for us to understand. And yet you have given to us enough to understand. There's enough here. My radar goes off and I have questions and people come along with deep thoughts. However, Lord, your word is given to us enough. And so we take what you've given to us and we stand upon it. We pray for the peace of Jerusalem in Jesus' name. We pray for the protection of its citizens. Lord, we pray for this specific battle that's happening to find resolve. Lord, for Hamas to lay down their weapons and to stop. And we pray for a peace treaty. And Lord, we just pray for hearts to be softened. Lord, we pray for the hurting on both sides. People are mourning the loss of men and women, young and old, bloodshed everywhere. And so we pray for your help. Jesus, You stood at the Temple Mount there on the south steps and you prophesied destruction, the end. You saw it coming. And therefore, Lord, while pain is involved and questions arise, we know that your sovereign will can take all things and work them together for good. And so we trust you. And we pray for wisdom as Americans and for our country. Pray for mercy. Things are going crazy. It's just, man, there's not enough popcorn, just eating popcorn, watching the crazy as gas prices rise and building supplies rise and real estate prices rise. And it's just getting crazy. And so I pray, Lord, for your church. In Jesus' name, that we would be about the Father's business. That, Lord, we wouldn't get caught up in lesser things. We wouldn't get distracted. Lord, we wouldn't lose focus. And so we thank you, Jesus, for all you've done and all you're gonna do. And even this morning, Lord, have Your way as we get into Second Peter, chapter one. We pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody, said, Amen, amen and Amen. Well, how many guys remember Second or First Peter? Remember that? You guys were here last week. You guys remember that? You who are at home watching online, we have to apologize. There was no online broadcast. All of our technology decided to fail just all at once. And so there was no live service. Since then, we have uploaded the final teaching of 1 Peter chapter 5, and you can find it on our YouTube page. And so we weren't live there, but we were live here, and we landed the plane last week. We finished 1 Peter. And man, I got to just say this. I got to get it off my chest. Uh, I I appreciate you guys uh, getting through that sermon with me. It wasn't my best sermon ever. I don't really remember most of it. I don't remember any of my sermons. What what happened was, I just got to talk about this real quick. On Thursday, I was participating in a competition worldwide with 2,000 other old guys. Okay, there's a bunch of old guys that are trying to figure out who's the oldest and the toughest guy in the world. And so we were doing this online competition and I injured myself on Thursday and Friday. And I came down with a condition known as rhabdomyelosis which causes uh, toxin to be released into your system, a bunch of myoglobins and all this. And, and I didn't know that. And I did a wedding on Saturday and I blubbered my way through it. And I did two services on Sunday and blubbered my way through it. And I finally checked myself into the emergency room on Wednesday and they said, dude, your charts, your numbers are off the charts and your body's completely shutting down, not shutting down, but you're, you're, t- you're, you're poisoned. So we need to give you some IVs. And, and so I don't really remember the sermon or the wedding. I'm sure they were great. <laughs> I was reading some of the... Uh, side effects to being toxin-induced and poison and all that, and some of it was uh, memory loss and slurred speech and forgetfulness of words, and I was like, that's every Sunday right there, you know? <laughs> Maybe that's my problem, and so that being said, uh, thank you guys for getting through that. Maybe that's why it wasn't live online. I don't know what the heck was, but if you guys were here, and so I thank you for that. So we're going to start, though, first chapter of Second Peter and uh, the moral of the story there is uh, pray for your pastor that's the moral of the story and uh, that I continue to uh, not try and be the strongest man in the world and um, so let's read now Second Peter chapter 1 and I'm going to do a kind of an introduction teaching although we know who Peter is we know what he's been up to Yet this is his last letter he would ever write. Tradition tells us, history bears it to be true, that Peter was imprisoned when he wrote this letter, most likely chained to a pole in a Roman cell, knee deep in human waste for 40 days. That was his torture before they crucified him upside down. History tells us that he was able to lead every one of his captors, his guards, to Jesus Christ. The people that would abuse him and ridicule him and ultimately kill him. See, Peter was commissioned by Jesus Christ. Peter was told in John 21, you're going to die doing what I've told you to do. You'll remember in John 21, Peter argued and said, well, what about John, you know? And John's like, hey, give me a break, bro, you know? John had a tough go, too. John was boiled to death in oil and yet didn't die, banished to the island of Patmos to die alone. And yet God used John and gave him the book of Revelation in that condition. And Peter here, writing his last thoughts before he checks out. Pastor Pete, looking into the proverbial future of the church, looking on the horizon at what was already brewing, what was happening. And he writes to us three chapters. The first chapter is all about what you and I have in Christ. Who we are now that we're Christians. My pastor would call this, in regards to the end of his sermons, this is the so what? Or the now what? If you're a Christian here, so what? Now what? How many, don't raise your hand, but you're a Christian here, right? Well, don't you wish that when you got saved, you just got raptured wouldn't that be awesome people would be so hesitant to come into a church everyone keeps disappearing you know a mega church would be two or three people but you get saved and then here's the big idea listen this is so important and peter's going to help us understand this the idea of you being saved now is that you grow in the grace and in the knowledge of jesus christ that you continue to mature that you continue to produce fruit, that you continue to change, that you actually, listen, he's gonna say this in chapter one, that you don't become useless and barren and unfruitful. Now here's Peter, I'm not saying he's panicking, but his days are numbered. And it's as if he's saying to his best friend, the church, guys, listen, 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 don't blow it. There's a, lot, there's a couple things I want to go over. In chapter one, he says, you need to grow and you need to advance and you need to add some things to your faith. You're, fi- you're saved? you ho saved. cool. So what? He tells us what to do. We'll spend a couple weeks in chapter one. In chapter two, he then turns and warns at what was happening in the church. He said, watch out for false teachers. There's some false prophets around, some false doctrines happening. Okay, the way to be aware and be prepared for false doctrines and false teachers is to know the truth. Familiarize yourself with the word of God, and you won't be deceived to walk away from the word of God. And then in chapter three, he talks about the Lord's return. He says, I want you guys to realize something. The Lord's returning. He is coming back. Peter had spent three years with Jesus Christ, watched his teaching, examined his life, heard his words, and deduced two things. Number one, Jesus is God. We'll see that in chapter one. Peter figured it out. Some of you guys are on the fence. That Well, I'm not sure if Jesus is God. I'm not sure, you know. Peter was right there. He said, yeah, he's God and Savior. And not only did he deduce that Jesus was God, he deduced that Jesus was going to return one day in the blink of an eye, and that his teachings in correlation with his soon return were designed to make you and I as the church to be moving forward, not backwards. Don't raise your hand, but have you ever moved backwards in your Christianity before? I mean, just, you ever done that before? What are you talking about, Pastor Luke, you know? And it's a temptation. You're either moving forward or backward. Did you know that? There is no holding pattern. That might be some of the most simple, transformational reality you're ever going to hear in your spiritual journey. There is no holding pattern. You're either taking ground or you're giving it up. Some might say, wow, should have stayed home today. Peter sounds fired up. And Peter sounds, Peter is burdened with love. Jesus asked Peter three times, would you feed my sheep, Peter? Would you tend my lambs? Would you feed my Would you tend my sheep? Would you, Peter, would you do this for me? You'd do it for me, would you? He gave him the power of God to do so. Peter's a shepherd. He, he loves, he cares. Last night I was texting with Paul Martinson. Paul and Jamie are in Arizona right now, and they're there checking out Arizona State University for Kathleen, their daughter. And I saw a Facebook post that they were there, so I texted Paul, and I said, hey, do you guys want to go to church tomorrow? There's a church in Scottsdale. I'd encourage you to go check out. And he's like, we were just talking about church right now. and Man, where should I go? And I said, I'm the address to this church in Scottsdale. And, And I began to think about Paul there with his daughter, Kathleen, and all the things you say to your daughter when she goes off to college. I've got a daughter in the back there and she turns 10 at the end of the month and she's not gonna go to college or ever get married. She's staying home with us. <laughs> am I right or am I right? Oh man. And I was texting with Paul thinking, oh, the father's heart for his child. And he's got a couple sons also. And when your kid goes off to college, and I don't know how you're gonna navigate or did that, but when your kid leaves and they go, you, you look at him and say, hey, don't, don't forget. And you begin to remind him of all the things you already told them. I mean, this happens when they go anywhere, you know. Don't forget your jacket. Don't forget your stuff. And, and don't forget. And, and I want to remind you guys that that's really what gathering at church is. If you're a Christian here, you, you kind of already know the basics, don't you? You know what's going on. Jesus is returning. Jesus is God. Okay? Jesus is real. Heaven is real. Hell is real also. It's just a lot hotter. You know, you know all these things. And yet you need to be reminded because you forget. As a matter of fact, just by way of preparing ourselves for 1 Peter, turn your Bibles to the last chapter. And we're going to kind of reverse engineer this. I want you to see four points that Peter reveals to us. He ends his letter saying this, verse 17 of chapter 3. He says, You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware lest you fall from your own steadfastness being led away with the error of the wicked. He says, you already know this. He's reminding them. And he says, beware lest you fall from your own steadfastness. And the idea there is you're either falling forward or you're falling backwards. You're going one way or the other. And I'm so grateful for God's grace, aren't you? Man, I get so off track. I forget so easily. Don't you just get in the flesh like that. Isn't your flesh just right there? As a matter of fact, Jesus told Peter in Luke 22, he said, Peter, man, the flesh is weak. The spirit is willing. And I see you, Pete, you want to do, but you don't do. And you're unable to, and you come up short. And, man, I see this battle that rages. And yet, do you remember what Jesus said to Peter there in Luke 22? He said, Peter, I've prayed for you. I've prayed for you. You're going to have a moment of darkness that's going to be difficult for you yet I've prayed for you, and now I want you to be that dad that's telling his daughter, if you would, the church, that's just telling the people around them what to do, what not to forget, and even though you've already labored in this, I want you to put it out there again. Aren't you so glad that God can use a guy like Peter? Because God can use people like us too. I'm so, I am mean, I relate to Peter so well. If you study Peter's life, God chose to use Peter, and he was relentless in his pursuit. And he commissioned Peter to share the gospel. He said he's going to pray for him in order that Peter would be able to do the things that he would do. Do you know that Jesus is praying for you right now? He actually has things for you to do, people for you to talk to, daughters and sons of the faith for you to reach out. I want you to hear this. It's important that you hear something today, isn't it? Like that you get stirred up, you go home a little different, you go home and do business with Jesus, figure some stuff out, empty your trash, get your, get your mind right, move forward in the things of God. It's also imperative that you look at yourself like Simon Peter did, a bondservant of the Lord Jesus Christ. That God would use you in other people's lives. It's easy to discount yourself, isn't it? Yeah, I don't, I don't know enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm actually pretty stupid if you think about it. I work out so hard I get sick. You know, that's I mean, I to, I mean who does that, right? I mean, who does that? <laughs> I do that. And yet God sent Peter because he has things for us to do. Paul would tell us in Ephesians chapter two that God has preordained good works for you to walk in. So you need to understand something. It's 2021. Things are going crazy. And yet God's word doesn't change. And he has equipped each and every one of us by way of reminder to be moving forward in the things of God. The temptation is just to just stifle it. I tried that. I tried pressing in, tried memorizing scripture. Man, I was reading Romans one and two the other day and I remember about 15 years ago when I decided to memorize the book of Romans. Guess how far I got? The first four verses. You know, I was like, I remember these verses. I actually told people I was gonna memorize the book of Romans too, man. Dang it, you know. And so often we try things and we fail at them. And yet God wants us to continue to be reminded. Matter of fact, on Wednesday it was hilarious. On Wednesday I knew my blood was in, in bad shape, and so I was on my way to check into the emergency room to get some IV treatment. And I kinda of packed a bag, I didn't know how long I'd have to stay, and normally you have to stay until your numbers go from high to low, and mine are still kind of high even today. And I was, I was getting checked in there, and I was packing a bag, and my wife was laughing at me. She said, you're looking at this as, as an adventure, aren't you? <laughs> and I had a big grin. I was like, yeah, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. I get to go to the ER. I get to meet people I don't know, and I get to, you know, share with them about who Jesus is. And it was, it was rad. At one point, I was all IV'd up and had stuff here and stuff here and stuff here and stuff here. And I was sitting there, and the nurse came over, and she began to draw some blood out of my IV uh, tube. And she was sending that to the lab, and while she was doing that, I was watching her, like, whoa, look at that, there's my blood everywhere, you know, and, and I kind of asked her, I was like, do you, do you enjoy your job? You know? like, you know what you're doing, right? You know, you know, and she said, oh, yeah, I love it, been doing it for 16 years, and, and then she segued and said, what do you do for a living? <laughs> and I was like, thought you'd never ask. <laughs> and so I told her I was a Christian and a pastor at a church, and she, oh, wow, that's crazy, and. And I I asked her if she always knew she was gonna be an emergency room nurse. And, And so she in turn asked me, did you always know you're going to be a pastor? When did you make that decision? And in 25 seconds, I was able to give her my 25 second testimony. How the Lord called me when I was eight years old and I said no to him. And after 12 years, when I got out of jail and I finally repented and turned my life over to Jesus and said, if you still want me, you can have me, but you need to open up a door. And in that moment, Matt Rudizel asked me, would you ever consider being an assistant high school youth pastor? Would you like to get in the ministry? and as I told her that, she stopped and was visibly shaken. She said, whoa, now I need an IV. No, she didn't say that. She said, <laughs> she said I, I got the chill, man. That's cra Wow, and she walked off, and I thought, it's worth it. Is that why I got rhabdomyolysis? I don't know. I think there's other things going on, and yet I'm encouraged that God sends us places and does things. And let me just say it again. Verse 17, you therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked. Look at verse one of chapter three. He says, beloved, I now write to you this second epistle in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder. Stop right there. eyes up here. Peter says, I'm not telling you guys really anything new. I'm exhorting you and strengthening you the things that you already know by way of reminder. You know this, church. You know what you gotta be about. You know what you need to look out for. You know what you need to do. And it goes all the way back. Turn your Bibles to chapter one to verse 12. He says, for this reason, I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things, though you know and are established in the present truth. Doesn't that sound like a dad to a kid going to college? Like, I know you know this. I know you know this, but I gotta tell you again. Oh, come on, dad, yeah, you know, I know you, know. look at verse 13, yes, I think it's right, as long as I'm in this tent to stir you up by way of reminding you. Yesterday in Paul Tripp's May 15th devotional, actually didn't read it till this morning, my wife read it yesterday, and she said it was worth the read, so I read it this morning, and Paul Tripp talked all about gathering together, and study, and worship, and Everything we do is simply a reminder of the things that we already know to do. We need to be reminded of God's goodness, God's favor, God's power, God's strength. Because we fall into traps and subtle temptations and lies that the contrast is true, we find ourselves losing ground rather than taking ground. I say all that because I wanna encourage you this morning in two ways. Number one, be reminded. Get fired up, take ground, move forward cast off the works of darkness and take the grounds of light, moving the ball down the field. Number two, not just you, but remind others of the same truth. Do you do this? It's, it's technically my job to do this. I'm a pastor, a tender, a feeder. It's my job. When I ask people if I can pray for them, they're usually not surprised. When I pull out oil from my pocket and say, do you need anointing? It's usually not a shock. Yet, from time to time, I'll have people pray for me. As a matter of fact, I was in the Fred Meyer parking lot. And I was getting ready to leave. And someone came running across the parking lot, waving. My windows were up and, and I rolled the windows down and she said, you told us to pray for you when we see you. <laughs> and I said, bring it, you know. And I got prayed for, Fred Meyer parking lot. It was so cool. Yes. So cool. And I just want to encourage you guys as peter would encourage us someone here either right now at home watching or later on this week will say what's the big deal man i just went to church I just, mom took me to church today or i showed up with my friend or man it sounds pretty heavy what's going on look at verse 15 moreover no no verse 14 knowing knowing, Peter says, I'm reminding you, it's the right thing to do to stir you up, knowing that shortly I must put off my tent, just as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me. Stop right there, eyes up here. Peter says, I'm gonna die, just as Jesus showed me. Can you imagine knowing you were going to die and then deciding to write a book of the Bible? Let's just say you knew you were gonna have a tough time, and so you decide to serve somebody else. Let's say you know that it's going to be difficult for you, and your first thought is, This is going to be an adventure. There's going to be somebody I can share with, somebody I can talk to, somebody I can help out, some way I can redeem this and move the ball down the field. Peter here, instead of objecting, instead of resisting, instead of rejecting, says, Jesus told me I was going to die, so I wanted to write you guys one more letter. How many of you guys ever send a text out that didn't get responded to? You're done. You know what I mean? You ghosted me, we're done, you know? Man, we're so lazy at times reaching out to people and following up and I apologize if I've done that to you. I get so many messages at times and and I'm so encouraged and challenged by Peter here. The second epistle of Peter, as he writes this, knowing that Jesus had prayed for him. And I don't know about you, but I want my life to count. I want my life to count. I want my effort to count. I want everything I do to count. And so what we do is we simply respond to what God has asked us to do. Jesus told Pete, do what I say. Okay. Are you sure? Because do you remember that one time I blew it royally? Do you remember that? It wasn't too long ago, you know? As a matter of fact, every morning I hear the rooster crowing. And I kind of get PTSD. Do you remember that? Jesus said, yeah, I, know. I remember that. I remember that. And I want you to stir up the church. I want you to invest in the things that matter most. Yesterday, I woke up, and as so often the Lord does, he spoke to me as soon as I woke up. I woke up and I looked at my clock, and it said 6 633. I don't know what you think of when, when I see 633, but I think of the same thing every time. Every time I see 633, it reminds me of Matthew 633. And it was cool because I woke up and just, there's my eyes and it was the Lord saying, you know. In Matthew 633 says, seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and my righteousness. And all these other things will be added unto you. It's a twofold promise. It's a twofold command. God says, hey, I want you to be about my business. And guess what I'll do? I'll make everything work together for good. I will. And it's in contrast or it's in context where Jesus is speaking to the congregation and he's saying, don't worry about stuff. Just sit there and stare at me if you guys worry about stuff. You guys worry? No, we worry about stuff, don't we? Jesus said, you're gonna worry about what you're gonna eat, what you're gonna drink, what you're gonna wear, where you're gonna live. You're gonna worry about it. He says, he says guess what? He says, guess what? Seek my kingdom first. Listen, and I'll take care of that stuff. Isn't that cool? God doesn't say that that stuff's not important or illegitimate. He says, no, no, no. Man, I'll take care of it. I'll take care of it. I was at the Blessing of the Fleet yesterday with the community and Zach and Casey Millsap were there visiting from Bend and we were talking afterwards and we were talking about the economy and crazy stuff, just small talk, and talking about Bitcoin and Dogecoin, and talking about 2008, and Casey and, and Zach from Bend, and we were talking about, man, wouldn't that have been, what if you had the fortitude in 2008 to buy up some of those empty houses in Bend? Remember in Bend, there was like 300 brand new empty houses, you know, and they're selling them for like 70 bucks each, and something crazy. But nobody knew, everyone was panicking, you know, oh man, and, and it was cool because it, it was right on the heels of the Lord saying, hey, that's okay. You, you, should, you should be wise. Steward your day's dollars and deeds. Okay, hey, don't be dumb. But make sure, make sure, make sure you're also making eternal investments. And I shared that with Zach and Casey. So let's make sure we're wise. Like, hey, wouldn't it be cool to have a retirement fund when, you, when it comes time to retire? You know, <laughs> like, well, I got 20 bucks, woo, you know. That's cool. Do that. If you can, do that. But make sure that you have an eternal retirement fund in heaven forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Jesus warned of that. This life will soon pass, and everything and only those things done for Christ will last. That's good news. Because if you're like me, you're getting older and sicker. It's funny and it's coming, and the end is nigh, don't deny it, don't run from it, instead embrace it, say, all right, Lord, all right, Lord, let's go, and maybe it's a person you work with, we were singing that song, I don't know which song it was, actually, I think it was "Greater You, Lord, the, the last song, and I was just thinking about how easy it is to scream that out loud with you guys. Great are you, Lord, it's your, you know, I'll stop right there. And it's easy to sing it here, right? And i us think about how many friends I have that, that don't believe that. They just don't know yet. They don't know yet. They might know casually that I know that. But it's my job, it's our responsibility to in one way, shape, or another, remind, stir up, and teach others that God is great, that God is great. To be messengers, to be shepherds, to be people who are about the king's business. Just making that decision. Ah, I've been reminded of this before. You already told me that dad, you already told me that grandpa, you already told me that friend. One of the things that I have to remind myself so often as an apostle or a disciple or a pastor or a Christian, guess what? It's not really about you. You know that? And then trip out. It's not really about you. God has not asked us to present ourselves to people and then slip in Jesus somehow. Right? We think that's the case, don't we? You don't, He's asked us just to give people Jesus. Tell them He's good. Tell them he loves them. Tell them he forgives them. Tell, tell them, live a life. Explain to people that Jesus is great, that God is good. Because the word of God will not return void, but it will do what God has accomplished it to do. When people hear the word of God, we're praying for revival in our, in our area that people would open up God's word and they would be radically changed. If God can change you, okay, God can change anybody. Can I get an amen from somebody? Amen. I mean, give me a break. Have you seen your guys' cells? I mean, for real, does your own salvation give you great hope for God to be able to save anybody? Sheesh. God can soften your heart or soften my heart. And oftentimes, I, again, just think it has way too much to do with me. It'd be like if the mailman had to explain your mail every single day. Got mailman Mark over here. Can you imagine if Mark knocked on your door? All right, let me just go over your mail. I don't want you to reject it. It's very important to me that you receive it, you know imagine that mark doesn't do that he gives you the mail job done okay deal with it and so too as messengers matter of fact let's read some verses because you're going to run out of time here last night pastor esai texted me and said how many verses are we going over i said three <laughs> and then i second guessed myself i said maybe two <laughs> so let's read a few simon peter a bond servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. To those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue by which we have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these, he's talking about the word of God, you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. I want you to see this, but also for this very reason. Here's the so what, here's the now what. Giving all diligence. Add to your faith virtue, which is excellence. To virtue, knowledge to knowledge, self-control, perseverance, or to to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren, some of your translations say useless, nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and your election sure, for if you do these things, you will never stumble. Stop right there and go back to verse one. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ. Guys, write this down in your notes or memorize it or talk about it later. Identity leads to activity. Belief leads to behavior. How you see yourself will determine what you do with yourself. When you show up to an organization or to a situation or to a relationship and you see yourself as the way God has called you, you will then operate yourself in the way that God has anointed you. Simon Peter, bondservant, and apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. I like how Peter adds to his self-description from chapter one of his first epistle. In his first epistle, he says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Now, is he Peter and an apostle of Jesus Christ? Everyone do this? Yes yet as he came to being crucified upside down, he added a few descriptors. He reminded himself and others who he used to be. Simon was his birth name. You guys know this. It was who he was before he became a believer in Jesus Christ. It's important that you and I never forget who we were before Christ. Anybody have any BC days? Don't Google my name. Now, we got some BC days, and we remind ourselves of who we have been, and then we remember who we are now. Simon was who Jesus had found him to be and changed him, and he changed his name to Peter, which means rock, which means stable one. You guys remember where he changed his name? It was in the northern region of Israel, up north, near Syria, near the Damascus border. And as he was up in Syria there, in Dan, the northern tribe of Israel, the most pagan area of all of Israel at that time, and Jesus asked Peter a question. He said, who do you say that I am? And Simon responded, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And right then, Jesus said, and you are Peter. Let me just make the connection. Simon knew who he used to be, but he also knew who he was, listen, in Jesus. When Simon Peter saw Jesus as the Christ, the Messiah, as God himself, listen, then and only then did Simon see himself as the man that God had created him to be. He was Peter. Let me make the application. You may be tempted to identify with your old nature, with your old man, the things that you have done, The enemy will come to you and remind you and he will tempt you and he will fight you based on your old nature. And yet when you look at God and look at Jesus and understand who, listen, 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 when you understand who Jesus is, only then will you really know who you are. It comes from focusing on Jesus. Jesus changed Peter's name changed his trajectory, changed his purpose. And if you need your trajectory changed today, if you need more wind in your sail, more direction for your steps, it is closely connected to your understanding of who Jesus Christ is. As a matter of fact, until you know who Jesus is, you won't know who you are. You just won't. You'll be all over the place. You'll be up and down and in and around and off and on and all over the place. But when you are focused on Jesus Christ, you know who you are. He sees you and he gives you a new nature and a new name. Simon Peter, bondservant of Jesus Christ. Bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ. I like how he puts bondservant before apostle. How many of you guys would like to be an apostle? Wouldn't that sound pretty cool? I'm not just talking about a B apostle. I'm talking about an A apostle, you know? Apostle simply means sent one. It's somebody who's on mission. Jesus had 12 apostles, the 12 apostles. They then went and anointed and ordained others. Peter here puts this in order. And before his title of apostle, he stands in his position of a bondservant. You who have been around the scriptures know what a bondservant is. In those days, there was slave-master relationships not based on race, but based on class. And you would find yourself in that environment of being a slave in a master's home and the relationship was as you would serve for six years and you would be allowed to be free at that point. You had served your sentence. And yet in a relationship where the slave said to the master, you know what? <laughs> You've treated me real well. I like you. I'm not going anywhere. I will now in my freedom, listen, choose to stay and serve you. I'm going to become a bond servant." And that servant then would take an awl and pierce his ear and put a loop in his ear and people would see that servant, that slave with a loop in his ear, knowing that he was free, but had chosen with the rest of his life to serve another person's will. And here was the cool cool situation in relationship, is that as that slave stayed serving that master, that master was then obligated to take care of that slave and they were family. When you become a bondservant of Jesus Christ, you say, you know what? I'm free. Because you are. I don't know if you know that. You can do whatever you want. Careful. Don't blow it. And with your freedom, you can say, Lord, I'd like to serve you. I'd like to give my life to serve you. And in exchange, your master will say, and I will care for you. Everything I have is yours. We're now family. I'm a bondservant. I'm serving the Lord, though I'm free and I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ. I believe that his apostleship, knowing that he was sent, is what allowed Peter to days before he died say, my job is to send the message out. That's what I'm doing. If you know your identity, it will determine your activity. Look at verse one again, just the very beginning. Simon Peter, a bondservant, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Guys, if you want to have an anchor For your Christian journey that will never be moved, it is the man Jesus Christ. You cannot serve anything else, it won't work. You cannot serve anyone else, they won't work. You cannot serve an organization, you cannot serve a church, you can't serve a ministry, you can't serve a family member. You can't serve any of those things or they will let you down and you will fail. But if you choose to serve Jesus Christ as a bondservant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, listen, if you choose to live for an audience of one, no matter how it feels, no matter where it goes, no matter what happens, listen, I'm just gonna be honest, you won't quit. You might wanna quit. You might have bad days when the organization lets you down, when the pastor hurts you, when your spouse doesn't meet your needs, when your kids just keep being kids. People from time to time say, I'd like to serve in Sunday school. Oh, why would you like to do that? Why I just love kids. Because one day you're not gonna love those kids. You serve in Sunday school for Jesus Christ. I'd like to go on the mission field. I'd like to give my life as a missionary for the unreached peoples. Eh. You go in the mission field and you serve the unreached peoples for Jesus Christ. I'd like to become a husband and, and have a wife and because I love her and I'm gonna serve her as her husband. Eh. You get married as a husband or a wife to serve Jesus. If you do anything in your life, or lesser things, those things will inevitably let you down. They will fail you. They will test you. However, if your motivation to run your business, to run your life, to make your decisions is for Jesus Christ, nothing can stop that. Nothing can stop that. When Peter, history tells us, was crucified, he had the opportunity to repent and to recant his faith. Hey, Peter, just stop being a Christian, bro, and live a life. Can't do it. Well, we're gonna kill your wife first. And Peter looked at his wife, who they crucified prior to him in front of his face. And he said to his wife, woman, behold your Lord. Keep your eyes on the prize, babe. Can you imagine that? talking radical times, things that we most likely will never experience. Did you know that this anchor behind the veil will hold you through every battle, every difficulty, every trial you face? You keep your eyes on Jesus. And maybe right now you're not wanting to serve your spouse, your kids, your church, your neighbors, your coworkers. I get it. And yet Peter says, I am a bondservant of the Lord Jesus Christ. How is he gonna endure death and suffering? Keeping his eyes on the prize. He says this letters to those that's you and me, who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Interesting word for a fisherman to use, precious. Peter uses it three times in this epistle and once in the last epistle. Precious. If you have faith, it's incalculable. Would you sacrifice yourself for something worth a lot? Would you give everything you got for something you esteem valuable? You would. We do. This is what we do. We make time for that which is valuable to us. Great effort, great energies into those things that we esteem as valuable. And Peter here says, you know what? This letter is to those who have received Like precious faith from the precious blood of Jesus Christ, who died to set us free. He says that we've obtained this faith, it's very theologically important, by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's a good jam. Not really. It's actually not a good jam. Now that I think about it. Because Peter was with Jesus for three years. He ate with him, he learned from him, he had his entire life changed by him. And here in verse one, he says, We've received this like precious faith by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. In the Greek construction, and one reason why critics dismiss this epistle is because it's veracity of intellect. It's a very smart letter. Peter addresses it. I I wrote this, guys. And he didn't make a mistake when he said, our God and Savior. He's talking about one person. He's talking about Jesus Christ is God. I don't struggle with this. I believe it. The Bible says it. I believe it. That settles it. Some struggle. Is Jesus God? The Jews, when quizzing Jesus, said... Blasphemy. He makes himself equal with God. He's this guy, he did it. Is, is there any more? No need for questions. I say that to remind you that God Himself, the creator of the universe, came to planet Earth to subject Himself to humanity and the sin and the chaos and the disease, and the difficulty. Couldn't God have sent a delegate other than his only son? A prophet maybe, or two, or ten. Someone else. And yet God loved us so much, that he sent his only son to the world, that whosoever should believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. For the son of man did not come into the world to condemn the world, but that through him we might be saved. John 3, 16 and 17. And Peter here, at the beginning of his second epistle, before he died, he says, guys, I have faith because God died in my place. you need motivation you need a reminder you need a kick in the pants or a punch in the throat i do love it i love throat punches they're the best just oh wow got me oh god loves you so much that he died for you and now the faith that you have is yours to both enjoy listen and to share with others Well, we made it through verse one. Huh. Guys, I just want you to be encouraged. In verse two, he says, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. He says his divine power, verse three, has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him. Here's the big idea as we continue to navigate through first chapter of 2 Peter. And here's where I think God has South Beach Church. Here's where God has Luke Frechette. And maybe where God has you. It's go time. It's time to grow. It's time to sow what? It's time to now what? It's time to add to your faith virtue and godliness and temperance and self-control and brotherly kindness and love it's time to double down how are we going to do that how are we going to do that through the knowledge of God it's so simple it's so simple it's so simple as a matter of fact we complicate it don't we seven steps to awaken the giant within 45 steps on how to take 46 steps you know Last night we got distracted at our house a little bit I was studying and I sent my wife a a picture that came up in my memories on my phone. It was of our kids when they were littler. And so she sent one back and they were little and all these photos came back and forth. Man, it was so fun. And as we were watching some of the videos that were coming up on our phone, I've got 50,000 photos on my phone. You know, there's just a lot in there. And we were watching some of these videos and the kids were watching videos of themselves just two years ago and they were squirming and wincing and oh, listen to my voice. What an idiot, you know. Turn it off, turn it off. And There's change, you know. I couldn't even understand some of these things these kids were saying gibberish. They couldn't believe, I can't believe I was that young and and here they are now and you know what, what the secret was just to getting them from those videos to where they are now? You know what the secret was? We feed them. Every day. Not a day has gone by where we haven't fed them. We just give them a little bit. Just a little bit. You've got to feed them. And they grow. And they grow. Isn't that crazy? Can I encourage you guys? Feed yourself in God's word. He's given us all things. We'll talk about this next week. Don't fall back. Move forward. Be reminded. Also remind others. Time is short. When? I don't know. It doesn't matter. It is short. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Lord, in Jesus' name, we thank you. We honor you. We submit to you. Lord, we want to respond to you. You have done all things well, you have done all necessary things. The cross was occupied, the sacrifice accepted, the tomb has been vacated, sin and death defeated. How great is our God? This is the air that we breathe, Lord. You give life. You give breath. You give, you, great are you, Lord. I pray in Jesus' name now we would know that and we would grow in it. Forgive us, Lord, of our lackadaisical approach. Forgive us for being into so many lesser things. Please give us wisdom how to seek first the kingdom of heaven and all these other things will be added unto us. We love you, Jesus. Bless us, Lord. Use us however you see fit. Would you give us divine appointments this week? Maybe not so much at the emergency room, but other places. And would you use us for your glory? We love you. Thank you for loving us first. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.